Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. We are back. It's episode number 17 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. And this is going to be a special episode. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited for our guest tonight. Yeah, you know, up till now, I don't have you told anybody who we're having on? Because I haven't. Well, until about 10 minutes ago. Uh, I told like I think two people. Okay. Well, not not many. So this will be special to whenever we're able to get this out there and I'll go on and introduce our first guest ever to the Baseball 365 podcast. He is the co-host of the Prospect 361 podcast and he is the heart and soul of the Baseball 365 Facebook group. He's a former Tout Wars champion. He's a great fantasy baseball player and an even better human being. On a 2080 scale, he's definitely an 80. And if I say all that, I must be talking about Mr. Tim McLeod. Tim, it is an honor to have with you with us tonight. How are you doing? I am just doing great. Hey, thanks so much for the kind words, guys. For a second, I wasn't sure who you were talking about. Like, <laughs> am I busting in on the wrong show here or something? But no, it's really, it's really a, a pleasure to be your first guest at, uh, in show 17. And... Uh, I want to thank both of you for both the opportunity tonight to talk some baseball and for your superb job running uh, Baseball 365. It's a great page, and I would highly recommend anybody liking baseball, the fantasy baseball game, stop on by because it's a very well-run site and a great Great cast of hundreds, I think we might even be into thousands, that uh, will be able to answer and help you with any question you could ever want. Yeah, we actually just crossed number tw- over number 1,200. Yeah, I think it was yesterday or the day before. It's pretty awesome given we're only about seven or eight months into the group. We've gained, uh, we hit the 1,000 mark on my birthday on February 18th. So that means we've had another 200 in the last two months. So we've been pretty happy about that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, guys. Like I said, you do a great job. You run a really good page. And uh, again, hey, if you're if you're looking for some place to hang out and talk baseball, fantasy baseball, head on over. All right. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some of the news around the league. And then after that, I opened it up to the Baseball 365 Facebook group to give us questions or discussion topics. And once again, you guys brought it. We have a lot of great questions and conversations that we've gained from you guys. But before we start with all that, I have a few questions I thought I'd ask you, Tim. Andrew and I kind of went through this on episode number one. We asked each other a few questions about how we got into the game, and I thought it'd be good to start off with that. Does that sound good? Uh, Yeah, I didn't do it, guys, by the way, okay? It wasn't me. It was somebody else, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just covering some bases here before we get rolling here. So, Tim, all the way up there in Fort Francis, Canada... What got you to start watching baseball? How old were you when you started watching? I was 11 years old when I started following the game. Up until then, I was a diehard, like all Canadians, I was a diehard hockey fan. And in 1969, a very monumental uh, event occurred, and that was the Montreal Expos became the first international team. And uh, being a Canadian... uh, that's when I started following baseball. Would be I'd be 11 years old, and it was when the Expos joined. I don't even know this. How close is Fort Francis to Montreal? Uh, not very. To give you an idea of the size of the province that I live in, guys, I'm in Ontario, and the capital of Ontario is Toronto. 
Okay. I am closer to Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. I'm closer to all all of those communities than I am to the capital of my own province. How's that? It's right on the border, right? Yeah, if you Google nowhere and you go 100 miles north, you'll find me, okay? <laughs> so, can you get, was it easy for you to get to Montreal to see games? Was it within a couple hours then? Uh, I was living in a community called North Bay at the time. It was about four hours north of Toronto. It was about six, seven hours away. And believe it or not, I had never seen a live Expos game until last year when I caught the spring training games. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, That's I got a couple Jays games, and I'm not a Jays fan, but it was just uh, it was just a little bit too far for me at that uh, when I was living in North Bay in my late teens, early twenties. And when I'm, hey, in my late teens, early twenties, I was more interested in my motorcycle <laughs> and a million other things. Uh, most of my baseball activities were limited to the uh, to the telly. I definitely remember at the that age, eighteen or so, I had very little interest in baseball too. That was right as the mcguire 70 home run season was going on and i'd at least check out that but i yeah that was not a big focus for me for a little stretch during that time either i guess you told me what drew you to the sport there with them coming to town so my next question i guess will be when did you start playing fantasy baseball and how'd you get into it um that, that's an interesting story i uh, I was living in Thunder Bay at the time, and I was running a convenience store. And uh, at that particular uh, store, it was very near the college university. And I got to know uh, some some of the some of the customers uh, that came in on a regular basis. Believe it or not, I'm I'm not overly shy. I always managed to drum up a conversation. And there were a couple of college kids who uh, convinced me. To give this wonderful new game a call, uh, try, it's it was called rotisserie baseball. So anyhow, that's basically through the through the store and meeting some of the university kids. That was my very very first league, and it was an adventure. Uh, rules were at a bare minimum, and uh, believe it or not, I actually saw somebody trade a player for a ten speed. <laughs> Really? Yes, a player was traded for a 10-speed at one point in time during the season. Needless to say, I lasted in that league one year before moving on and forming some with some other friends uh, what, into my second what and third year, years. What year was this? 1990. 1990, okay. And do you remember who the player was that was traded for the 10-speed? No, but uh, <laughs> my first man crush was Carlos Bayarga. How's that? There you go. I vaguely remember that name. That's a right around I remember the time it. I started watching baseball was right in that era. I think my first baseball yeah. memory was actually the World Series. I think it was 89 with the, the one with San Francisco and Oakland where the, the earthquake hit. Yeah, no, I, I, I got involved uh, basically just as uh, the game was going through its infancy. And uh, it, I played in an AL only for probably the first 12 years that I played the game before finally starting to get involved with the mixed game and fell in love with it. And I've been playing mixed leagues ever since. You're a grizzled veteran. That's 29 years of fantasy baseball right there. I guess this would be your 30th season. Uh, next year. Oh, next year's 30? Okay. Next next gen, next year's yeah. 30, I hope. And Tim, let, me, let me get my abacus out here for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
you have won your fair share of leagues and you've played in a bunch of them, but I think you're most famous for winning Tout Wars a few years ago. Do you remember what season that was that you won? I'll never forget it because it actually went down to the last day and it was 2014. That was a good year for me. I won six leagues that year of wow. the of the 12 I think I played. I, I had a really good run from, oh, about 2010 to about... 2015 i was very fortunate and to this day uh i have a, a special spot in my heart for will and rosario and craig kimbrell because on the last day rosario hit a home run kimbrell earned a save and i was fortunate enough to win tow wars rosario isn't he playing in japan now or didn't he just make his way back i remember reading something about him in the last few months yeah, I think he's in the Twins organization. Uh, on their depth chart, I think he's listed as their seventh catcher, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's in, he's down at AAA, I believe, unless he was released. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, yes, there is. There's also a chance you could win Powerball, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, 2014, wasn't that the year Carlos Correa was called up to? Because I remember that was one of your best things you, I remember you doing was picking him up early in FAB. Yeah, I, I've always been a very, very aggressive fab player, and uh, I take a lot of chances. And as, as a result, uh, uh, I either do fairly well or hey, it's been a good year, and let's think about the following year. But no, I, if I'm not mistaken, Korea might have been involved uh, at that point in time. I, I know I've always been very aggressive in moving on players, and it's paid off in spades for me. Well, like you said, you're aggressive to win or go bust, but nobody ever remembers who finishes in second place in any rotisserie standings. They only remember the winner. Yes, but finish last once and you never hear the end of it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into some news. And man, it seems like injuries are everywhere. David Dahl and Ryan McMahon in the last week have joined Daniel Murphy on the 10 day IL for the Rockies. McMahon had a left elbow injury on a collision on Friday night. No word's been given on how long he's going to be out yet. Meanwhile, Dahl has a left side core injury that he suffered on a swing Sunday night against the Dodgers. On Tuesday, he was placed on the DL. He said that he expects to just miss the minimum 10 days. I know I can speak for Andrew here when I say I hope he's correct because Andrew and I both have lots of shares. Now, what about you, Tim? Andrew and I were really high on him in redraft leagues going into the year. What were your thoughts on Dahl? I, I don't remember hearing him be discussed by you. Uh, there's a reason for that, guys, and I have zero shares. I decided to take the safe and smart move, and I invested in Garrett, Garrett Hampson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we did, too. <laughs> Uh, so I only have half the morning period that you guys have right now, pretty much. Uh, it's a shame. I think Dahl's got all the talent in the world, but he just cannot stay healthy. And I, I, I feel for the kid because like I said, he, he's got the skills. He just has to, he just has to stay on the field. Yeah. That's what we were saying before the year, Andrew, we did our bold predictions before the show or before the season. And we didn't tell each other our bold predictions. And Andrew, why don't you tell Tim what both of our bold predictions were? Because we basically did the exact same thing. Uh, 280, 30 homers, 20 steals, and 100-100 roughly, I think. <laughs> I was, mean, that for, was that for Hampton, Andrew, or was that for Dole? 
Well, it was as high d- as we were on both, it probably could have been for both. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it just sucks with Dahl. I mean, it's the whole thing. I don't even when they're saying about the minimum ten days. I'll believe it when I see it. Just I can't believe it. Well, it could yeah. be worse. It could be worse, Andrew. You could like own Pavetta in Philadelphia, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. thank me later for that one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's rough with some of these guys. At least it's early. That's the good news. There's still time for some of these guys to turn it around, even Hampson. But with this injury, more playing time is opened up in Colorado. Mark Reynolds looks to get more regular playing time at first rate base for the Rockies. On Monday and Tuesday night, it was Rymel Tapia starting for the Rockies in the two-hole. And Andrew, is Tapia the guy the Rockies are now forced to play every day? And I do specify the word force because it really doesn't seem like they ever want to play that guy. Yeah, it seems that way. I know they've had him starting since Dahl went out. He replaced him the game he left, and he's been in since. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. I, the whole Hampson thing is weird, too, because he's struggling so much that – it's like there's this angle of it that I, I feel like they would move him down, but I don't even know if they can at this point with Murphy out, Dahl out. It's almost like it might be buying Hampson a little extra time too, which is good for his owners and us, obviously. But I, th- I think Tappy is going to play here for a little bit. So, Tim, is that a guy you would be looking to add in leagues if you've got Dahl or if you're needing an outfielder? Is Tappy somebody you'd look into? Um, I, I contemplated it last weekend and, uh, I went in another direction and I decided to venture towards Anaheim and picked up, oh, who did I pick up? Uh, Goodwin. Oh yeah. 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 I went and picked, I went and picked up good, Goodwin. I, at that point in time, we weren't a hundred percent sure what was happening and I needed an outfielder desperately. Because I also have a big share in Cedric Mullins, who has been just a tad disappointing. I had to get somebody in there. Um, I went with Goodwin over Tappy. I I think he's going to get the at-bats, but I really don't know what we have in, in Tappy. Uh, Reynolds, hey, he, he, can, he can pound the ball when he hits it. Uh, you know, when I start looking at, at first base, I shored that up fairly solidly in my draft. So I didn't really need a first base type. So I, I stayed away from both, but that doesn't mean that's a good idea. Hey, both those guys are going to get playing time. And in deeper leagues, you take what you can get, right? Yeah. And it was just, I think, two years ago, I had shares of Reynolds whenever he started getting some playing time in Colorado. And he was really good in the first half of that year. He he was very valuable for me in some leagues. Uh, let's stick, stay, get back to Hampson. And like you were saying, Andrew, you mentioned that there's a possibility that he's like, bought some playing time with his struggles just because of these injuries. But I did hear on the Prospect 361 podcast on Sunday, Rich was talking with you, Tim, and he was talking about how he could see Burnham Rogers coming up in the next few weeks if Hampson doesn't turn it on soon. And I think there's some legs to that. And if... Rogers keeps hitting well in Triple A. I think there's a chance he could come up. Do you agree, Tim? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think Campson has a couple weeks. Okay, so uh, and Rogers hasn't really been tearing the cover off the ball down on the farm. He's struggling a little bit. The last I looked, I think I'm heading into tonight. He was somewhere around 240 batting average. But the bottom line is, 
they're only going to endure so much from Hampson. And I figure he's got another week to two weeks max. And if he doesn't pick up the pace and start hitting it, you know, the Rockies are going to have to do something. So if you've got bench room right now in a, in a mixed league and you can find, find a home for him, Hey, pick him up for a buck and see how everything shakes down. Uh, you can pay a buck now, or at the point in time he gets called up, uh, you're going to be digging a little bit deeper into your fab. Yeah. Andrew, I know you and I both have shares of Rogers that we took in draft and hold leagues, but I also know you've got Hampson and other leagues. Is that a guy you're going to be looking to grab this week? Yeah, possibly. I think it's a good idea to grab him sooner than later, just because, like Tim said, it'll cost more. Yeah, I do. I do have both in my uh, NFBC draft and hold. I took Hampson and Rogers, so that's starting to feel like it was the right move. It's funny because I think you and I both felt the same way a couple weeks ago with McMahon exploding in the minors and seeing how it looked like it played out. It's like, well, great, we took the wrong guy. We're going to be stuck with two guys that don't have playing time. Yeah, but yeah, what's funny? What's funny with the Hampson that like. I do believe that Hampson would get out of it. Like, I think if, you know, he just had, was able to play it out, he would get out of the slump that he's in. I mean, it's still early. It hasn't been that long that he's actually been playing. But I don't know if they're going to give him the chance to. I mean, like you said, another week to two weeks, he could be done. So it, it, it needs to happen pretty quick if it's going to happen. It's not. It's not pretty so far. I mean, the thing we talked about, why we loved him so much for the last few years, is he was so good at drawing walks, and he didn't strike out much. And again, we're talking small sample. He's hitting a 100, which, you know, that's small sample. You could have some bad luck with Babip. I mean, his Babip's 130, but he's striking out 29% of the time in this sample, and he hasn't had a walk yet. And Yeah, the problem is, is you don't want to read too much into a small sample, but if he loses the playing time, that's all that matters. Yeah, the, the key is the playing time. And unlike, say, Jurickson Profar, okay, in Oakland, who has really struggled up until the past couple of games, uh, you know that they're going to stick with Profar. You know, there's nobody who's going to take away yeah. his job. It's nice and secure. Hampson doesn't have that, that security that a veteran-proven player has, and teams simply won't sit as long uh, and endure those struggles. Yeah, Colorado's definitely shown that they have a history of pulling the plug if it's not working quickly with youngsters. The best, like I said, the best thing on Hampson's side right now is just these other injuries. I feel like that's keeping him in there maybe longer than he would be. Agreed. All right, next up we'll go into... Mike Clevenger with the Indians, he was placed on the 10-day DL on Tuesday with a back injury. On Sunday, he was pulled from a start with tightness in his upper back, but said on Sunday he expected to make his next start. Then on Tuesday, Francona said it's going to be six to eight weeks before he can even pick up a baseball. Tim, doesn't this mean that we won't see this guy until July at the earliest? Because six to eight weeks, if he's just starting to throw then, he's still got to go through his rehab. Well, yeah, but you know what? Technically, he was correct. He is going to make his next start. There's just going to be a little bit of a gap between them, right? <laughs> Good point. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the glass has to be half full, guys. No, I watched the game, and for about two innings before they yanked him, 
he, you know, he was, he was like doing windmills with his arm and you could see he was trying to loosen, loosen up. It looked like loosen up his shoulder or his, uh, or his arm. And he sort of pitched through it and he pitched very, very well. I think he had 10 strikeouts through five innings, but again, you could see that there was something wrong and he pitched through it. And two days later, he's gone till July. Uh, that's a real kick for both the Indians and for his fantasy owners. Yeah, that team really cannot be missing guys right now. They're hurting as is. And Andrew, I went to roster resource and saw the Indians minor league options to replace him in the rotation. The most recognizable name I saw was Adam Plutko. Is this a guy you'd consider adding in redrafts? Uh, yes, in 30-team AL only. So he'd be near the top of my list, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Andrew? Same? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to see it a couple times, I think, to even consider it. Man, that is rough for that team. They've Their lineup has been in shambles this year, and the thing that they've had for going for them, at least, is their pitching staff, and they just can't afford to be losing these guys right now. No, Monday was not a good day for me. Yeah. I lost I lost Rue, I lost Clevenger and Labor. So, uh, you know, the flag is still at half-mast in front of my house right now. That's brutal. And those type of leagues, I've heard from the, your podcast, and I've heard Andrew, as he was telling me, as we've been talking a lot this offseason, that the big thing with these NFBC or draft and hold teams is you just got to have guys and losing two arms like that, that it's just hard to replace that. Well, my best current options are Jordan Lyles, uh, Jonathan Luizaga in New York, Tyson Ross, Brett Anderson, and that's it. Mm. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys are going to be Mike Clevenger. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think some of those guys are going to be Adam Plutko. oh that's sad all right let's move on to the andrew your team the cubs pitcher john lester he hurt his hamstring of all things running around the bases and now he's on the 10-day il this is another real killer for the cubs who have very little depth on the roster just like cleveland and andrew this is your team and i looked at roster resource and i didn't see any good options there could you please tell me that this doesn't mean that Tyler Chatwood's going to be starting for them soon? Man, I, I'm worried about that potentially. Yeah, it's they were talking. I was listening on the radio the other day right when they put Lester on the DL and uh, they or the IL. <laughs> I still can't get used to that. They were just talking about how they've got to rest him and they – they can't uh, rush him back because they need him for the long haul. You know, it's it's a long season. They bring him back too soon. He's 35 now. He's not 30. Chatwood, oh, boy. That's uh, that's not going to be fun. No, I remember hearing lots of complaints on the Rotomasters too, chat about that, that guy pitching for your, the Cubs because there's a lot of Cubs fans in that group. And it – Hurts even worse because of the start that team's off to. I haven't looked at the standings the last couple days, but last I looked, I know they were really struggling. So that hurts. Yeah, three and se- three and seven. Look, the positive is you Darvish didn't walk anybody tonight. Yeah, to a batter yet? If if you can believe that, 
Yeah, yeah, he was allowing a few hits and a few runs. There's still something really wrong there. I was tracking his fastball velocity, and it was all over the place. So that leads me to believe that mechanically there's something there's something amok uh, with uh, Mr. Darvish still. But just to let you guys know uh, and to make you feel a little bit better, Andrew, Joe Madden announced tonight that, yes, Tyler Chatwood is moving into the rotation <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Saturday, yeah. I think, is is a happy day. And for all of you guys out there, that guys and gals, sorry, uh, that are playing in uh, uh, mixed reverse leagues, uh, he's fair to ro- roster. For those of you who are listening right now, I had to pause the podcast for the last 10 minutes while Andrew just went and threw up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're back. Andrew's done vomiting, so we're going to move on to the next one, which is Jake Lamb is out six weeks with a left quad strain. And Christian Walker looks like he's going to get some regular playing time for a while. Tim, I think I remember you mentioning adding him or having him on your waiver wire list this last week on Prospect 361. So I'm assuming that means you're grabbing him in some leagues or at least did grab him this last week on Fab. Or actually, maybe not. You just said you had plenty of first basemen. Yeah, I put a couple bids in for him uh, just because I like the power potential. But uh, there were some people out there that liked him a little bit more than I did, guys. So uh, I do believe I have him in one or two leagues. But the opportunity to add him at a reasonable price sort of went by the wayside. Yeah, Walker, I think, could be around for a while. Uh, Jake Lamb cannot hit same side pitching. And I'm beginning to wonder if he can hit other side pitching so yeah hey if if walker gets hot he could be around for a bit longer than just six weeks yeah andrew would you you have any interest in walker yeah no i i pretty much echo what tim said i didn't get him anywhere i did i think i did put a bid in him on one or two but i just didn't get him i actually had lamb in one league uh one of those nfbcs and i i dropped him i just you can't hold i just couldn't hold i'm already holding uh Olsen and Murphy and I just felt like they're more worthy of being held than Lamb so I just let Lamb go yeah it's not like you had a really high round investment in him so it makes sense if you've got the roster crunch he would be one of the first ones to go yeah you can only hold so many I mean and now we're going to talk about a guy who's not technically on the injured list now but he is struggling and that is Chris Sale with the Red Sox through three starts, he now has 13 innings pitched, an ERA at nine even, eight strikeouts, four walks, and 16 hits allowed. He only has those four walks, so the problem here is that he's getting hit around. And that can be explained by his d- diminished fastball velocity. I was looking on his fan graphs page yesterday doing some research, and he averaged 94 miles per hour in 2017 and 2018. And his average velo this year was under 91. It was at 90.9. Andrew, I saw in a group chat that you said you didn't own him anywhere. And Tim, I think I heard you say on the podcast you weren't going to own any shares of him this year. So I'm assuming you don't own him anywhere either, right? That's correct. So you guys have managed to dodge the bullet. And unfortunately, I got him in the draft and hold league right now. So I'm get I'm definitely getting a beating on my pitching staff. But let me ask you guys for some advice. What would you get? What advice would you give to someone who did own sale right now? I'm in the draft and hold, so I'm with them regardless. But let's say somebody is in a league where they could be looking into making some trades. 
I'll start with you at first, Andrew. Would you recommend holding, trying to sell them, and hope you can get 70, 80 cents on the dollar? Maybe somebody's wanting to buy low, if that's possible. If you're doing that, you're hoping he rebounds to ace form. So I guess this is a way of asking, do you think he returns to ace form at some point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to think that he's going to return to ace form. I will say I'm a little concerned. I mean, the diminished velocity is not good. In his last start, I think I read that he was up a little bit. I didn't catch much of it. That was yesterday, I believe. If I had him, I it's probably a guy that I wouldn't sell for 70 or 80 cents on the dollar though i would just hope that he gets back to chris sale and if i had to bet on him getting back to being chris sale or him totally imploding and being out for the season or something crazy like that i would bet on him getting back to chris sale but i do have an eyebrow raised for sure what about you tim well, I happened to watch the performance yesterday, and uh, I'm concerned. Uh, the diminished velocity is definitely, definitely something that is concerning. And you know, early on he was hitting 93, 94, but that dropped off into the low 90s uh, fairly quickly. And what I think concerns me uh, more than anything else is that with that diminished velocity, the Jays basically sat back and instead of playing their usual uh, swing for the fences bit, the Jays actually took advantage of that velocity and started slapping the ball all over the place. And uh, it really made Chris Sale look very, very human very, very quickly. So, yeah, I, I think you have to be concerned, but I, I wouldn't sell him right now. Uh, he got a, The workload he got in in the spring wasn't i believe what he should have so i'm i'm still expecting better things uh, i haven't heard any reports of the shoulder being cranky so uh, i'd stick it out before i'd look at selling uh, let me put you guys on the spot here you both said you wouldn't sell but what about buying let me just throw a hypothetical here uh, and i didn't put this in the notes so i'm definitely hitting you guys on the spot here but let's say you own Luis Castillo, who's off to a real hot start, would you be willing to move a guy like that, who probably is buying at 70, 80 cents on the dollar, for Chris Sale straight up if you were in a redraft league? Would you deal Luis Castillo for Chris Sale in a redraft? Tim, we'll start with you. No, I'd hold on to Castillo. I think Andrew? we know. I think we we know what we have there, and right right now that seems a little safer than not knowing what we have. Uh huh. Andrew? Yeah, I, I would I would take sale. I I'm not I'm not the safe guy though, I'll admit that. Tim's the safe guy, I'm not. So <laughs> but yeah, I, I would I would take sale. I it, it would be tough though. I, I think it would be easier to if you flipped it and said in a in a weird way, like if, if would you sell sale for Castillo? Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. But if I had Castillo, yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It's close. I, yeah. I think I would. I think I would want Sale, but I totally get the question. And I don't. I know this is totally impromptu too. But Trevor Rosenthal got an out. Yes. <laughs> he struck out Andrew Knapp, so he's off the hook. Okay. But, 
but he's walked three. Oh. So. Pretty okay. Brutal. That and I knew he had faced going in tonight nine batters, so that means he's one for thirteen in getting batters out. <laughs> yeah, and he just got another one. So, but okay. you know, but on a positive note, uh, even with a fifteen nothing lead or whatever it is, you know, maybe Doolittle end, will end up in a save situation. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. keep Rosenthal in there long enough, and maybe he will. And Tim, yeah. I'll tell you another one of our preseason predictions. We did bold predictions before the year, and I said that Trevor Rosenthal would be the most valuable relief pitcher after the All Star break in fantasy baseball. <laughs> and, and you know what? He still might be. You know, yep. we're talking about a pitcher yeah. coming back from Tommy John. And I think this is a good wake-me-up for those that believe, yeah, you take a year off, you rehab, and you return to who you were or, or some semblance thereof, and not everybody bounces back at the same pace. And it should be a, a definite heads-up for everybody. I think Rosenthal's going to be fine eventually. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. keep him out of your roster until he gets things figured out. Yep. Yeah, I don't even I don't even have a different opinion really of Rosenthal than I did before the season. It's I mean he's off to a terrible start, but like it'll get corrected. It's just one of those things. Yep, hold on to him if you can, especially in the deeper leagues or the dynasty leagues, because he definitely could land into that closers gig still this year. All right, well, let's talk about some hot starts to the season. And I searched for top-performing hitters on fan tracks yesterday. And sitting at number one is Cody Bellinger. Through 11 games, and this is all as of yesterday afternoon, he had a 435 batting average to go with seven home runs, 19 RBIs, and 18 runs in 11 games. That's crazy. That's an insane start to the year. What really impressed me, though, is that he only had six strikeouts in 51 plate appearances. Tim, obviously he can't keep that pace up, but my question is this. Is he closer to being the 2017 Cody Bellinger than last year's version? Well, I think in 2017 we saw the potential for Bellinger to hit a ton of home runs. Uh, he, he did it last year. The numbers weren't so great, but uh, hey... You know what? After what we saw in 2017, would I be totally shocked if he ended up with 45 to 50 home runs at the end of the year? Not at all. Yeah, the kid can hit the ball a long ways. And right now in Los Angeles, everybody's hitting. Okay, you know, they're tearing the cover off the ball. So uh, he's pretty tough to pitch around, isn't he? Yeah. They've got a lineup of really good hitters all top to bottom. And they, what they're really good at is getting the right guys in there for the matchups, too. They've got... They know to get Jock Peterson in there for versus right-handers. Alex Vertigo, they'll have in there. And then whenever they're facing lefties, they'll get the right, right-handed right bats in there. They're a really well-run organization. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Bellinger? Yeah, I mean, hot start. think he's probably a little bit closer to the 17 version. But, I mean, it's it's still so early. It's It could just be a hot start where he levels off and he's – kind of what he was last year too i mean but yeah it's definitely impressive good start teams on fire i mean that helps and he's leading the charge let's play a game with the stat lines at the end of the year nobody's gonna remember this andrew i'll have you start what is cody bellinger at the end of the year what's his batting average on base percentage and home run total um i will say 270 Batting average, 
I'll say 37 homers. And what was the other thing you said? On base percentage. Um, 370. Okay. Those are good stats. Two, 270, 370, 37 homers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tim. Your turn. Well, yeah, I, we have the the OBP pegged at the same, Andrew. So I'm going to go 371. Okay, just <laughs> just to be different here, I'm going to go with go. 260 on the batting average, and I'm going to go with 44 home runs. Okay, I had 42 as my home runs as I was just sitting here thinking to myself with similar batting averages. Tim, you must have watched The Price Is Right a lot to go 371. Well, yeah, and I, I had never won, okay? There was always somebody who bit a buck more than me. I was never in the final position, okay? I was always always, always a, you know, a, dollar late, a dollar late and a dollar late, something like that. Yeah, if you guys have 370 and 371, I'm going to take a, uh, I'm gonna take the dollar bid, and I'll put zero one, and hopefully hope you guys both get the overs. <laughs> I thought you'd go, I would have gone 372 just to rub it in a little bit there, but... <laughs> That'd be mean. You're the you're the guest. I can't do that to the guest. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's one, that's one that's one mulligan for me, right? <laughs> yes. There you okay. go. Number two on the player raider, I also wanted to bring up, and that's Domingo Santana. That's another guy whose value tanked last year with Milwaukee adding Kane and Yelich in the offseason. Santana was moved to the fourth outfielder row. And fast forward a year, and Seattle lands him, and now he's raking to start the year with a 340 batting average, four home runs, and three steals in 11 games. And I think that's up to date because I don't think he played this afternoon. I think he had the game off. So, Tim and Andrew, here's my question for you guys. Over under 40 home runs plus steals at the end of this year, and might I add, in 2017, if I recall right, without looking, I think that number was at 45. Tim, you start. Over under 40. Um, I'm going over, uh, but if you ask me about batting average, I'm going under on a 250. <laughs> How's that? I didn't bring batting average up because I kind of feel the same way. His strikeout rate was up there last year. Andrew, over under 40. Over. Nice. Yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, I, I think he's pretty legit. Kind of aggravates me because there was like a big group i know we had talked about this a big group of outfielders late in drafts that i liked he was one of them and he was maybe the only one that i didn't get i i don't have him anywhere but i liked him i just didn't land him anywhere so but yeah i i uh i like him for sure i mean it's off to a great that whole team what is going on in seattle (laughs) yeah and and if you yeah and if you look at the bullpen (laughs) <laughs> that hasn't been a real plus so far, has it? I was making a joke the other day that at the deadline, they're going to trade for Cano and Diaz and make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, DePoto's going to empty his farm all out. I think I, that was the yeah. group where you said that. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. DePoto finally chooses to sell everybody off, and this is right. the year that his team starts winning. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think they'll be, they'll be trading that prospect they got from the Mets back. But that, that is pretty funny, guys. It really is. <laughs> you know, I, I guess the, th- the thing that bothers me the most about Santana is what Milwaukee did last year. Like, you know, Santana had a really good rookie campaign. You know, I, I think it was, what, 30, 30, over 30 home runs or around 30 home runs and stole, what, 10, 15 bases, whatever it was. 
And then heading into last year, they basically just discarded that campaign and right. and went and traded for Yelich and signed Kane. And uh, that really sort of sort of bothered me. You know, did Milwaukee just simply miss the boat uh, with Domingo Santana? They should have moved him a year ago while he still had the value. And instead, what they did is they let him sit and toil all last year, not get the playing time, struggle yep. because he didn't get the playing time, drop in value, and then they gave him away, basically. I don't remember what the trade was that he gave him, went to Seattle for, but I doubt it was hardly anything. What's funny is they got Yelich and Kane, but Domingo Santana is a better player than Ryan Braun. Yes. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Braun is just, Milwaukee's guy, but I mean, he should have been the one that was pushed to the side, not Domingo. I agree. Totally agreed. All right. So I'm going to go off the rest of this top 10 list now. And that Yelich is at number three. We got Tim Beckham at number four, Trey Mancini, number five, Reese Hoskins, number six, Yoan Mancata at seven, Javier Baez is eight, Anthony Rendon is nine, and some dude named Mike Trout is number 10. So, Tim, of these 10, which guy sticks out to you that you'd like to discuss here? Well, there's a couple that stand out, but I think the one that stands out the most for me is Yon Mancada. You know, he's off to a really, really good start. Uh, you know, his batting average is somewhere around 340. Uh, I think we have a total aberration here. Uh, I watched him the other day, and I, uh, for the life of me, I don't understand why any pitcher would throw him a fastball. I, I, it totally boggles my mind because Moncada cannot hit breaking balls. And I think that uh, 340 batting average is going to turn into a 240 batting average before the year is done. So, you know, hey, if you've got somebody out there that believes in Moncada in a redraft league in a big way and is prepared to give you a king's ransom for what he's doing, my advice is to take it. That's great advice. And you got things you can sell if you've got somebody who's not watching him play. Because if you go look at his box score right now, if I'm looking at his fan graphs page, he has that 326 batting average. Yeah, the 379 BABIP, someone could say, okay, that could drop a little bit. But he's only struck out 24% of the time so far. And if you're not watching the games and you're seeing him getting fed fastballs and seeing that he still has the same problems, they're going to start throwing him off speed pitches. And that K rate may get back up in that 30, 32%, 33% it's been in the last few years. I've watched a couple of games, and he does not have a clue on the breaking stuff. He really doesn't. He's still very much a work in progress. He really is. Andrew, same question. Who who sticks out to you here on this list? Um, I mean, they all kind of do right now just because they're all obviously hot. Uh, the one thing that I kind of have noticed is Trey Mancini. He hit another home run today. I know it's a small sample. Obviously, that's what we're talking about because it's so early in the year. But his ground ball percentage, which has been his problem, is way down. And his fly ball percentage is way up. And if he can maintain that, he's not going to ma maintain where it's at right now. But if he can just maintain that and make improvements, he could definitely be have been a good value you know, for where you got him in drafts this year. I got him in one team. And I'm really happy with him so far. First base outfield eligible, six home runs already. I'm liking him. 
Yep, outfield eligible because they got to pe- keep plugging Chris Davis in there at first base. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. The, the only thing that surprises me, guys, about Mancini a little bit is that, like, why aren't opposing pitchers? Why aren't they walking him? Like, there's Just no protection around him. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's no protection in that lineup whatsoever from top to bottom, and. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that nobody wants to be a pitcher that intentionally walked any Oriole. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> you know, his walk rate, we're talking small samples, but it's at a 8.3% right now, which is a career high for his early career. But you're right. If he keeps hitting like this, that number is going to keep going up because there is nobody around him. And I did the same thing with starting pitchers. Look that up. Blake Snell came in at number one. Not a huge surprise there, but number two, is Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Matt Shoemaker, a 0.92 ERA, a whip that's under about 712, 0.712, 19 innings, 19 strikeouts, five walks, and two wins. Andrew, on a scale of 1 to 10, how legit is this start by him? Is he turned the corner, or is this a fluke? Uh, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I would say like a 6, probably a cop-out answer. I think it's a little bit legit, but... I don't. I need to see a little bit more before I fully buy in. Tim, what do you think? Uh, I'm buying. Uh, I've had a chance to see most of his games, and uh, the one thing that he has been missing from his game the past, I don't know how many years, is health. And he's definitely healthy. He's working the ball in and out, up and down. The splitter is working fine. Uh, a ton of confidence, and I am really impressed with what I'm seeing. I, I think we're seeing the Schumacher, Shoemaker uh, that we saw back in his rookie campaign, and unfortunately, he's just had a myriad of health issues to deal with. So, is he as good as what we've seen? No. Uh, what we're seeing is Cy Young caliber pitching, but I think uh, the people that own him, that bought him uh, off the waiver wire or picked him up as a six-seven type starting pitcher. Uh, are going to see, if he stays healthy, a great return on that investment. I think right now he's a legitimate 3-4 type starting pitcher, and they don't grow on trees, guys. No, I was fortunate enough to land him in Fab in two of my four leagues, which I guess two of my three leagues, because one of them's a draft and hold. So I'm pretty happy with what I've seen so far. I hope you're right, Tim, and it's more likely than not that it's legit. I have always kind of liked him. He's had his struggles with health, like you said. Here's the rest of the top 10. Max Scherzer, there's a big surprise at number three. Marco Gonzalez at number four. Jose Barrios at five. Yanni Chirinos, or Yanni Chirinos at number six. I don't even know. Is it Yanni or Yanni? My Yanni. handwriting here is small. It's Yanni. Shows how much I know about him. I always know Yanni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Zach Eflin at number seven, Trevor Bauer at eight, Charlie Morton at nine, and Carlos Rodon at ten. And I will add, I took these notes at yesterday afternoon, and when I looked this afternoon, they were very different. But we're just going to stick with these ten here. And Tim, same question: Who here is someone you'd like to discuss? Well, uh, there's a couple that concern me. You know, Chirinos is off to a great start, but are they going to keep him in a starting capacity? 
you know, there's a, the potential at some point in time that he goes back into the following the opener routine. And uh, as far as his over value, as far as his value is concerned, that could could affect that. And I guess looking at this top ten, the other the other guy that's on the list at number ten, Carlos Rodon, uh, he still has some work to do finding the strike zone. Yeah. I noticed that when I was looking at his stats, I think he still had quite a few walks or something. I remember looking it up because I was I owned him in a dynasty that folded, but I've had him the last few years, and I was not high on him after seeing his performance last year. And, yeah, sure enough, four walks per nine in those 16 innings to where, yeah, still missing the plate too often. Yeah, if you gave me a choice right now between Frankie Montez and Carlos Rodon, I'll take Montez. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Andrew, who, who sticks out to you? Same question. Uh, I wanted to touch a little on Zach Eflin here just because I felt like he was largely ignored in drafts. And I think there might be something, uh, just, he looks good. Couple starts. He's young. He's in the NL. He's on a good team. I had a little story too. I, in one of my 20-team dynasty leagues this past week, he was somehow on the waiver wire. I have no clue how. There's a 1,000 players owned in this league. So I'm sitting there on Sunday, and I'm like, man. So I'm looking at it. He's 83% owned on fan tracks. And in this league, like, you look on the wire, and you're just happy to see anybody with a pulse, let alone somebody that's actually pitching good and is young and all those things that I said. Normally, I don't go too crazy with Fab this early in the year. But I know that in this league, there's nobody uh, ever available. Like, this will be one of the biggest pickups of the year. So... I couldn't decide what to bid. I bid 361 and I didn't get him. He went for 508. So I was disappointed just because in that league, like I said, I mean, I think of him, I think he's kind of like a 3 4 type once he settles in. I mean, you could make the argument he's their second or third best pitcher, fourth at the worst. Right now, I mean, he's locked into the rotation. Like I said, off to a great start. And But, yeah, I was just thinking, like, man, this would be huge because I could use pitching in that league, too. And I maybe should have went even more. It's just though you don't see guys like that just sitting on the wire in that league. It just never happens. You're picking up total scrubs. So I thought it was, thought it was interesting. That is fascinating, though. He was sitting out there with that start. Yeah. And even a good year last year, as I'm looking at his stats from last year, he was pretty solid last year. Yeah. Okay. So I said it before, I made a post on Baseball 365 on the Facebook group, giving members a chance to give us topics to discuss, and they delivered some great questions, and I'll get started here. Tim, I'm going to give you the first one. Colton Weber asked if Clinton, Clint Frazier will keep the bat at bats when everyone is healthy. What say you? Uh, I think it's all about what he delivers in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he had himself a great end to the weekend. And if Frazier keeps pounding the ball and tearing it up, yeah, I think there's a chance that he does maintain those at bats. I, I, uh, I could see Mr. Gardner moving into the fourth outfielder role. 
that'd be gutsy for them to make that decision. But I guess if he's hitting well enough, they could do it because Gardner is somebody who is on the twilight of his career. Okay, Andrew, we'll go on to you for the next one, his, which involved Luis Severino. I kept him out of the news because I knew we had a question on him here. And before we get into his question, Severino, who didn't feel good while long tossing on Monday, headed back to New York for another MRI. You know, if you're feeling discomfort long tossing while dealing with a shoulder injury, that's not a good sign. And after the MRI was taken, a grade two lat strain was found, and he's being shut down for another six weeks. The only good news you could take from that is at least it wasn't his shoulder, but it was his lat instead. This actually happened to Alex Reyes in his first game back last year, except I think he tore his lat, so it was a little more severe. So after all that, we're back to Colton's question. Does Luis Severino throw a pitch in 2019? Andrew? Yes. Okay. But I will say, I th- I don't think that he's back till like around the All-Star break. I mean, yeah. it's fluid. You know, you talk about these things. It's like we could wake up tomorrow and have bad news, and it could end up to where he's out for the year. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But uh, I think he will be back. They just need to be careful with him. Let him get healthy. Take the time. The Yankees are still going to be fine, even if he's not in the rotation. I still think they'll be okay. They just need to get him back for the part of the season that, you know, really matters at the end. I mean, it all matters, but they're going to need him down the stretch. And I think he comes back sometime around the break if I had to put a time frame on it. You're right about the break. That's probably the earliest we'll see him at this point. Because if he's being shut down for six weeks, that means he's not even going to throw a ball until we're talking the beginning of June. And then throw mound work and everything else. We're talking mid-July, I think, is almost the earliest you can expect him back right now. Yeah. The thing he does have going for him is he's pitching on a team that's competing. If he was pitching for, like, the Cincinnati Reds, they may just decide to shut him down and look into next year. But... Tim, same question. Do you think he throws this year? Would you over under on one inning pitched? Yeah, I think I think he gets back into the game. Um, I'm going to throw a compo at you. How about 2018 Carlos Martinez? That, that's Ooh. that's what I potentially see happening. You know, Yuck. is <laughs> is he going to overextend himself? Uh, you know what I mean? Is he sub, subject to? You know, if he pushes a little too hard, re-injury, um, I, I'm just very concerned about Severino. Uh, as Andrew said, and I agree, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he throws less than 30 innings this year. On the other hand, he could come back at the break and he could be fine, but uh, the Carlos Martinez comp just sort of sort of sticks with me right now. I hadn't thought about that. And that is a sickening thought. Yeah, for any gross. Yankee fan or Severino owner. who? Okay. Well, Jay's fan Ryan Andrew brought us with brought up his team with the next question. He asks about the Jays. He says, "Do they surprising was does their surprising success on the pitching side and a lack of success on the offensive side make it more or less likely for them to start calling up their young offensive prospects?" And Tim, you're Canadian. So I thought I'd start with you talking about the Canadian team. What's your take here? 
Um, I think uh, the Jays will call them up when they're good and ready. Uh, but I, I don't think it has any bearing on the pitching whatsoever. Uh, what I think the Jays are hoping for is that they get a, a good start out of Stroman and Sanchez and they can move them. You know, they've already moved Morales. They moved Pilar. Uh, I think Smoke, Sanchez, Stroman, uh, I think their days are numbered. Okay, and I think uh, if their value is high enough, I think the Jays will, Jays will trade them. As far as the offensive players, they'll bring up Vladdy, Vladdy Jr. when they're good and ready. And I don't think the pitching has any bearing whatsoever on the offensive prospects. The only thing I will say is, based on the attendance figures I'm seeing early on, uh, they might be bringing some of these kids up just to try and boost their attendance numbers because uh, they dropped uh, 800,000 last year and it looks like they're on pace to drop another four or five this year. Uh, that will have more of a bearing, I think, on when we see these kids than the pitching. That's a great point about the whole trading those pitchers because of the fact that those guys track records. They're not guys who you can count on to stay healthy where it does think that or it does seem like it would be a good time to sell them over the next course of the next few months if they're continuing to stay healthy and produce. I like that logic there. I think I read that the day that they get the extra year on Vlad is Friday. Yeah. And they moved him up to AAA today. I, I'm telling you, I, I mean, I don't know when it's going to be, but I won't be surprised if it's this weekend, if he's in the majors this weekend. No, I can definitely see it. They, based, based on the 10,000 fans they had in that barn the other night, no, that wouldn't shock yeah, me either. Yeah. And, um, at the same point in time, though, I could see them leaving it a couple weeks because he's been hurt. Yeah. And it probably yeah. wouldn't hurt to get him at least, you know, 40 or 50 at bats in at AAA, you know, just to knock some of the rust off and, you know, get things going in that direction. But uh, definitely the Jays have to do something to boost that attendance. And the only way they're going to do it is to get some people on the field that uh, get some fans in the seats. Some of their lineups to start this year have been just so oh. bad to look at. Oh, my gosh. There's yeah, been at least two or three different points this week where we've showed, showed pictures of their lineup on the group chats and said, ew. Yeah. Bad. Okay. Chris Winder asked the next question. When do you start looking at standings? And I'll admit I'm always looking at standings, but when do you really start taking them seriously? Andrew, you start with this one. When does it really matter when you, with, to, with those stats? Well, they always used to say Memorial Day, um, so that one's always kind of in the back of my head, just because that was what I always heard, you know, years back. Um, I, as far as when I'm looking at them, I'm always looking at them. I mean, I'm looking at them now. It doesn't mean that I think that they're etched in stone now or anything like that. You know, you kind of just take it for what it is, and I think if you're panicked because you're in 12th place on April 10th, then you're probably making a mistake. But as far as when I look at them, I'm always looking at them. I would probably say you need at least a month and then anywhere from the end of April to Memorial Day, you can probably start paying a little more attention to them. All right. I think I can get behind that. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I, I'm old school. Uh, I'm looking at the standings at least four times a day, but at the same point in time, uh, you can't put a lot of stock in things until you get a little bit better sample size. My philosophy is that 
if you have spent your offseason wisely, okay, you've scouted your players, you look at playing time opportunities, you cover all your bases. When you draft, and if you're happy with the team that you drafted for all of those offseason reasons, you gotta you gotta give them some time and exercise some patience. Uh, you know, Jerks and Profar was over the season up until two days ago, and I think he's got his batting average up to 250 now or something. He had two big games. You know, I, I believed in Profar, and I think he was going to be a good player. Was I worried about the slow start? Only in the only because of the fact that it it skews my numbers downwards in several leagues, but I, I wasn't concerned long term. And you can't panic. You really can't. Uh, uh, an awful lot can happen from May on. But once we get into six to eight weeks worth of sample size, then that becomes a problem because you were obviously betting on these players achieving certain goals. And at some point in time when they're not, you got to do something about it. Yeah, I think injuries is the only thing that really makes me strongly looking into making any changes in the early going until May or June. And injuries or fear of a lack of a role change or a role change where maybe somebody may be losing playing time. Like Garrett Hampson is the best example. We've all got to have shares of him. If McMahon looked like he had that gig and Hampson was struggling and looked like he was about to get sent down or his playing time was next to nothing, I'd start worrying because I know I have a lot of invested chips into him and his stolen bases that I expected him to provide to where I, Maybe if I see my team struggling in steals and it looks like Hampson's not going to get that playing time, I might start thinking, okay, I need to get out there and start looking at finding ways to get steals. But that's about the only way I'm really reacting to anything right this early in the season. I will say I can fully admit this, and I've just learned this about myself. My biggest weakness in this game is deciding when to drop a player that I believed in mm-hmm. that isn't that isn't working out. I, I can't like that part of the game is so hard to me. It's the hardest thing for me to do because I have this like it's like this ultra paranoia that I'm gonna let them go and then they're gonna be what I thought they would be. And I just don't want, I want to reap the rewards of that, you know, and it finding that balance and exactly knowing exactly when, okay, now is the time to let go. That's the hardest part of the entire game for me. Well, you have, you have a vested interest, Andrew. So it makes a lot of sense. You've spent uh, how, I don't know how much time scouting, following players, you're anticipating certain results. And when they don't deliver, uh, it's almost like a personal affront, isn't it? Like, hey, what, what, yeah, yeah, you know, I, what are you doing to me? You know what I mean? But at some point in time, you just have to look at the raw numbers and say, you know what, it's time. Either yeah. that, or you bury yourself in a situation where you're content with fi- finishing mid mid pack. And for me, uh, once I start falling behind in categories uh, towards the end of May. Then I realize I have to do something about it, and uh, I just chalk it up to the fact that, well, hey, I got it wrong. It happens, uh, and move on and try and address the problems. You know, I'll bring up Andrew specifically. I don't think you and I have discussed this, but in the Roto Masters two startup two years ago, we drafted AJ Reed, 
he bought low on him because his value was down. I Andrew believed in him. And he finally had to cut him about a month ago at roster cutdowns. And that, as I saw that cut, I thought to myself, I bet that hurt him to have to do that. Am I right? Not so much. I, I didn't invest as much in him as I had the year before. Mm-hmm. The year before was the year that I invested too much in him. But stuff like that is what I'm saying. I mean, like Dynasty and Redraft, it's a little different because Redraft, it's obviously a one year. It's a shorter window. But like, you know, like, for example, in my I'm in one 12 team redraft league uh, online championship on NFBC. I cut Alex Reyes last Sunday. Wow. I cut him. I could. I could. It's it's one of those things where there's guys on the wire that are fairly decent because, you know, it's 12 team league. So, you know, it's like you're the level of players on the wire is just different. But pretty much. What I thought could happen with Reyes did. He's not starting. He's not closing. He's not on the DL. He's worthless. I mean, until he gets to the point where he's one of those things, and when is that going to be? I mean, I I just can't sit around and wait for it in in a 12-team league. I I still have him in a 20-team league, and I don't know if I have him in any others. But And I'm not going to drop him there yet, but just, just one example. But... It was tough for me to do that. It really was. I mean, I didn't in- invest a crazy high draft pick in him or anything, but it was disappointing to have to do it. But I did do it there. It's it's just something that's hard for me to do. Yeah, but at the same point in time, you, you also have to realize, uh, and you did, that A, he's not starting. B, he's not closing. So it doesn't matter how good he is. His right. contribution to your team is... It just simply isn't going to be there. And like you said, it, it does it does hurt. But at the same point in time, it, it's the only decision to make, really, isn't it? Yeah. And the, and the other thing that I've done in the past with guys like that is I'll sit them on my bench and, you know, you just try and wait it out. And then all of a sudden you've sat them on their, your bench for a month and a half. I mean, how long do you wait? You know, that's the, that's the hardest part. It's just. And I, I truly did feel like when I did that, that it's going to be a while with Reyes this year until I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I just don't feel like it's anytime soon that I'm going to regret that. Well, and the other question, too, that comes into play, Andrew, is how many Matt Shoemakers and how many closers did you miss holding on to him, hoping for something that likely wasn't going to be there? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's what I was thinking as he was talking. Good point. Yep. Okay. Colton Weber asked about Jose Ramirez's cold start to the season. I had to go look up his stats because I didn't really even know he had had a rough start. And I didn't see anything too alarming. He does have a 194 batting average, but it's with a 214 batting av- by BABIP, batting average on balls in play. No homers yet, but he's also been playing in really cold cities. They started off in Minnesota for the opening weekend. And then been home in Cleveland ever since. That's not great places to be playing in in April. Tim, are you worried at all about Ramirez? Well, considering he hit 220 in the second half, I think it was last year. I, I think it has to be a little a little concerning. I, I think he's going to right the ship. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in the first half last year. But again, Cleveland's a little bit of a mess right now. How much does Jose Ramirez miss uh, having not having Lindor in that lineup? Uh, you know, you look at the talent surrounding him offensively, and it's nothing to write home to mother about, is it? No, 
That's tough. Uh, Andrew, you have any worries about Ramirez, or you think? Would you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, not really, but I, I don't expect him to do what he did last year. I mean, but I never did. That's the thing. It, Cleveland's offense is just it. It just looks like a disaster. I'm more worried about the team as a whole than I am about him. Um, mostly their offense, but like I mentioned, I think in the group yesterday, they lost Clevenger. They start losing one or two more starting pitchers. That team is in trouble. It, it reminds me a lot of the Mets, the year that the Mets went to the World Series. And I remembered saying to some friends, you know, as we we're watching that whole run where they just basically, you know, they went to the end and then lost. I just remembered saying like, well, all the pitchers are healthy. And that, that, that stuff just doesn't, it just doesn't last forever. And then you saw what happened to the Mets once the pitchers weren't healthy. They fell apart. If Kluber or Carrasco or um, uh, Bauer, anything happens to one of those guys, plus you got Clevenger out, you know, Bieber's pretty good too, it, it could get ugly. I I really they can't lose anybody else. It's it. I feel like it could get ugly. Yeah, I not agree. to go too far off of the Ramirez thing, but just all kind of ties together with Cleveland. Yep. It Ramirez yep. himself. I mean, I think he'll probably be okay. But so Don Thiel asked about all the chatter on spin rates as of late. He says, "Well, Corbin Burns spins the ball well, but he can't keep the ball in the park." How do you evaluate a player who has the skills but hasn't shown the stats to back them up yet? Tim, what are your thoughts to Don's question here? Uh, well, I think patience is one thing. You're looking at a young pitcher, and uh, I think with Burns, you just simply have to exercise some patience. Uh, for now, pick your opportunities. Uh, uh, try not to start him on the road in L.A. might be a good idea, but uh, uh, pick your moments. What I do find interesting, though, is the the whole concept of spin rates is something that I should have taken more uh, notice uh, or attention and spent some time with spin rates because I was actually introduced them to them back in the early 2000s when they start measuring, uh, they started measuring Koji Fujikawa in Japan. They were actually doing spin rate analysis in Japan in the early 2000s, which I found, which I found totally fascinating but at that point in time uh, i was more interested in learning what babbitt was all about so <laughs> just an interesting sort of sideline to the the whole spin rate thing that is fascinating wow yeah, they were actually looking into that over there wow yes and fujikawa's spin rate uh and the magnus theory a combination of both were responsible for what was described as a rising fastball or an exploding fastball and uh, it's just something I wish I would have spent more time on in the early 2000s. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Burns? He's had two rough starts so far, but the underlying stats show that he's still spinning the ball real well. Uh, yeah, I thought he looked pretty good in that first start when he was caning all those guys. I mean, he, I know he gave up a few homers, and that's kind of been the bugaboo so far, but I uh, I think he's all right. Yeah, I don't like him as much as you do, but I I think he's all right. I think he may eventually be destined for the pen, but we'll kind of we'll kind of see on that. They don't have the strongest uh, starting pitching, so maybe he'll stick there for a little while. Yeah, 
That just made me cringe hearing you say that. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> just for selfish reasons. All right. So Todd Habiger had the final question that I had on Facebook that, uh, that was mentioned on our Facebook post. And he said, who are some under-the-radar starting pitchers on most waiver wires that could replace injured or ineffective starting pitchers? Let's all try to give an answer here. Tim, you are the master of the waiver wire. What pitchers have you picked up early in the year or are looking into picking up with upcoming fab fab bids? Um, Well, there's a couple that have caught my attention. And moving forward... uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for soft tossing and tossing lefties. I really am. And, and Nick Vicious in San Diego, he fits the bill right to a T. Brought him right from A ball, and the kid is the kid's getting it done. At some point in time, he's likely to get smacked around a little bit. But hey, for now, uh, yeah. After today's game, which uh, he got his first win, uh, I like him. Uh, even though uh, John DePlancher has been sent back down. Now is a good time to buy. Take a look at the Arizona rotation. It's not filled with stellar arms. At some point in time, he's going to get an opportunity, and you're going to watch him be dropped over the next two two to three weeks in a lot of leagues now that he's gone back to the minors. Now is a good time to buy him for a buck and stash him. And here's one more starter that I'm going to mention. It's still probably a bit early, but a dollar or two now might save you some big bucks a little bit later on. Uh, and that's Dylan Cease. If you've taken a look at the numbers uh, posted by Ivan Nova and Irvin Santana, they aren't the answer. At some point in time, Cease is going to be up this year. And I think it's going to be sooner as compared to later, guys. That's a good one. You know, Nick, I don't even know how the heck to say that San Diego pitcher's name, but I've I actually landed him in one league, too, and I've been pretty happy with what I've seen so far. I'm not expecting much, and it's in a dynasty league where I'm not competing, so it's more just a, well, sure, I'll grab any hot pitcher and see if they stick. But that's, that's interesting on the other two. Andrew? Uh, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I, say I, I traded for Marge Vicious today. Uh, it cost me a fourth-rounder. Okay, yeah. in, in next year's subdraft. What's a fourth-round pick in a subdraft? Yeah. I'll, t- I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances every day on that sort of a deal. Yeah, it's a dart, just like Margiv... How do you call it? Vicious. Yeah, it, it looks like Marge, and then it looks like Vicious. <laughs> so I'm trying to roll the two together, which means I am totally butchering his name, guys. I know, and uh, it's a rule with me. i got to butcher at least two or three names a year, and I, I, I think it's a lock that I've done it on this one. Yeah, between him and Duplantier, I think I, I Duplantier. Hey, yeah, you're the Canadian, the Frenchman. Yeah, that's, that's the it. perfect one to say for you. Oh, his first name should be Jacques. <laughs> He'd be it's better. It's better than I do on that name. I know that. Um, and Duplantier, I think I read today that he has been sent down to start. So I can't help but wonder if they're saying, okay, it's time to get this guy ready for starting in the next few weeks, and they're sending him down to start for a couple of weeks and then come right back up. I, th- I like that a lot. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that exactly happening. He, he's a starter. Uh, you know, he held his own, pitched well while he was up uh, in, a, in a couple of appearances. Uh, I think that just uh, reaffirmed to the Diamondbacks that the kid's ready. You know, get him some work in and he'll be back up uh, and occupying a full-time slot in that rotation. Yep. Andrew, what about you? 
who do you have on the for this question? Uh, I kind of like uh, at least short term, anyways, to see how long he can stick. But I like Max Freed. He has looked great. I watched him against the uh, the start against the Cubs. He was hitting ninety seven. 97 from the left side. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then uh, the game yesterday against Colorado in Coors pitched great again. This is a guy that he's got pedigree. He's on a good team, NL. And it's one of those things like, yeah, the Braves, they have a lot of guys. So, you know, he could move in and out, but he's pitching so good right now. I don't think he's going anywhere, at least for the time being. And with with streamer type starter guys, you know you're just playing the hot hand, and he's young. You never know what you're going to run into. I would, I'd definitely be adding him. I know he's been added in a lot of leagues, but that's good to hear. I haven't gotten to see any of his starts yet, but his performance has been intriguing. The one I'm going to add in here is Tyler Maley. We've already talked about him a bit before. Somebody I like, he was disastrous last year in his debut as a starter, and he told people in the offseason that he spent time working on his off-speed pitches because those were crushed last year. And the numbers back that up. Opponents slugged 557 against his slider last year and 604 against the changeup. Right now, he's slated to only start until Travis Wood comes off the DL, but he's trying to make it a difficult decision to put him back down. In the minors, last Thursday, he threw six shutout innings versus the Pirates. And tonight, he had his second start, and he gave up only a run in five innings with seven strikeouts. But I should add that he had four walks, which isn't good, and it was the Marlins. So he's had two soft opponents in Miami and Pittsburgh, but I still think there's something here with that guy. Todd did have a good question, and I wanted to ask the same thing about hitters. What hitter have you added or are looking to add to fill holes with injuries? And I'm going to start here with mine, and that's J.D. Davis. J.D. was another piece in the Deep Astros organization the last few years. He had 30 home runs in 2017 between AA, AAA, and the majors. And last year, he hit another 18 bombs in 127 games, including 17 of those homers in 85 games in AAA when he had consistent playing time. He's been striking out around 23-25% of the time the last few years, and his walk rate's been improving. Last year, it was around 9% between the majors and minors, and and in a limited sample size this year, he's walking over 10% of the time with only a 21% K rate. I've been a believer the last few years and was thrilled to see him move to the Mets this last offseason as I thought, well, maybe he'll get some more playing time. But he's been really good so far this year and for the Mets. And while Todd Frazier is due back soon, if J.D. keeps hitting like this and walking like he has, he may force them to keep him in the lineup. And they've been hitting him fourth and fifth almost every game right now, which is another good sign, even though he did hit eighth tonight. But if he was to hold on to that gig, I think he has the potential to be a 260-270 hitter with a home run total in the upper 20s. So that's my guy. If you guys want to echo anything off of JD, go ahead. Or if not, then we'll just move on to yours, Tim. Ah, I think it's a good call. I'm I'm fine with your analysis on that, uh, Justin. Okay. So who's who's your hitter? Well, I, I'm going to go with a with a seasoned veteran that I, I think might have some more opportunities than we've seen early on. Uh, right now. Jesus Aguilar is four for 36 
with the 349 ops. His ops is almost at his weight. It's, it's getting close. Uh, Eric Thames, at some point in time, hey, the Brewers are winning, but at some point in time, Thames is going to work his way into at-bats, and it's going to be against right-handed pitching. Uh, uh, and I, I think if you have the bench space right now, I'd throw a buck down on Thames, uh, anticipating he's going to start seeing a few more at-bats. And let's face it, at some point in time, Ryan Braun has to hit the DL, right? It's almost like a rule. So mm-hmm. uh, in deeper leagues, I'd give Eric Thames a look. I love that. I have two shares of Thames. He was pretty much free this year in drafts. In the draft mm-hmm. and hold, I know I took him in like the mid-30s, I think. Or it was late. I know it was real late. And I grabbed him in another league as the last spot in a reserve round in a 15-team league just because for these reasons. I thought, well, he showed good skills two years ago. Last year was pretty a mess, and he doesn't have a gig. But if that guy can get himself some playing time, he can be a really valuable bat. I love that. Andrew, who's yours? Uh, I really haven't added too many hitters yet. I mean... If I am, it's mostly just to fill holes, but uh, I added Swanson in a couple spots. Uh, you know, hot start, see what happens there. Um, Clint Frazier, I mean, that that was all kind of, you know, last week, but that's somebody else that you clearly have to add right now. So those guys, maybe even Rowdy Telez too. He's been doing all right for uh, for Toronto. Mostly with hitters, like I tend to have a little bit more patience. You know, it's so early. Unless I'm filling in for uh, for an injury or something. You know, if you have room to stash a guy, maybe a minor leaguer or something like that. But I'm mostly standing pat until they struggle a little while longer if, if they're doing that. Swanson's an interesting one. You've grabbed him in a yeah. couple leagues, and that guy has come out guns a-blazing this year. Tim, what are your thoughts on Swanson and this great start to the year? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of sort of am, ambivalent. The guy that I invested in was Brandon Lau in Tampa Bay. Mm, I yeah. invested I invested early, hoping that uh, he would get enough at bats to warrant it. And the the injury to Joey Wendell is taking care of that for now. If he hits, I, I think he could be good. But I'm sort of ambivalent on Swanson. Lau was another one of my preseason predictions. I think I went bold prediction on him and said that he'd be a top eight second baseman by the end of the year and on base percentage leagues. And I love the start he's off to. I'm mad that I don't own him anywhere though. Yeah. I picked up uh, when I grabbed Swanson, it was, I was looking at the schedule cause they played in cores this week and I was just trying to get a little bit of that, but I got Lau in a couple leagues too. Another one I like um, I'm not sure his owned percentage, it's pretty much owned across the board, but just one guy that I like more than most people, I think, right now is Jeff McNeil. This mm-hmm. guy just hits and hits and hits. He had two more hits today, qualifies at second, and I I looked, I think it was this morning, he had six games in the outfield and six at third base already. So pretty soon, he's going to be second base, third base outfield. I cannot, Matt, like I am going to lose it. If Todd Frazier comes back and takes playing time from this guy, I am just going to absolutely lose it. He should be playing every day. 
Yeah, definitely. As far as I'm concerned, I, I had some real problems with McNeil because I liked McNeil a ton heading into October, November, December. And I thought, okay, here, here's a guy that could break out and be a great player. And then the Mets go and grab Robbie Cano. Well, you know, Brandon Nemo's in center. Uh, at that point in time, we didn't know the full story on Suspedus. And all of a sudden, I, I saw, you know, third base with Frazier. I said, where's this kid going to play? So my initial enthusiasm waned as I saw the playing time opportunities disappearing. And as a result of that, I sort of stayed away from him in the, in, you know, in the early draft season. And now I'm regretting it because it wasn't a case that I didn't believe he could play the game and hit. I just, uh, I had concerns about playing time opportunities and it looks like he's getting them. And I agree, Andrew, I hope he doesn't lose time to Todd Frazier. That'd be a shame. Oh man, I'm going to be, I'll be irritated if that happens. Just seems like he I, hits. I mean, he's just hitting like I, I don't really. I I don't get how they can take him out. I like what I'm seeing as I'm looking at him. I really didn't follow him too closely last year, as the Mets were a disaster there in the second half. But a guy who strikes out as little as he does and good at taking walks. I mean, he may not be huge in the home runs or stolen base category, but he gets right. enough to where when you add that along, put all of that together, that's a solid fantasy contributor across the board. Yeah, and the roster flex certainly doesn't hurt you either, does it? No, that's great, and especially in the deep leagues that we play in. Yeah, it, won't, it shouldn't shouldn't hurt you anyways. All right, I'm going to throw in a curveball to you guys that I didn't put in the show notes, and that was a message that I had received right before we were going on the air by Dave Louise, who's a member of Baseball 365, and he was asking me what I thought of Matt Boyd's strong start for Detroit this year and his dynasty value, and... I'm not going to make you guys go into that specifically, but I just want to give you this trade offer that he told me was sent to him in a 20 team that just fascinated me. And I told him, accept it and run. But I want to see if you guys agree. He was offered in that 20 team dynasty, Zach Wheeler, straight up. I said, no brainer, accept. What say you, Tim? Oh, he's getting Zach Wheeler, right? Yes. Oh. I, I I would take it, but I do have some reservations. I was fairly bullish on Boyd heading into the season based on his second half. I, I think he's pitching over his head right now, and definitely Wheeler has the has the better potential. Uh, yeah, you got to go with Wheeler, but saying that you, you'll go with Wheeler, I'm not totally convinced that there isn't a chance that Boyd pitches better than him this year. I agree with that. I, I definitely think this is a buy low, sell high through an early part of a season where it could go the other way. I mean, you do see this every year. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I I would take Wheeler, but it's not by a lot. I mean, I, I don't think it's that crazy at all. Okay. They're, I think they're I think they're the same age. I know Boyd's 28. I looked that yeah, up. Yeah, Wheeler's, Wheeler's 28, too. Yeah, they're same age. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that far off. I I like Boyd. I traded him in Roto Masters too right before the season. It doesn't uh, make me feel too hot right now. But yeah, he, I mean, he is pitching over his head. It's just I think that he's he's pretty good. So okay, well, Dave, there you go. They said it's closer than I did. Yeah, so. I'd still like I said, I'd still take Wheeler, but. 
Well, that was a great list of Facebook questions that you guys provided, and I appreciate you guys bringing it with all that. And Tim, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us tonight. And Andrew, I've been asking all the questions to Tim. Do you have anything you'd like to ask him? How are uh, how are your teams doing, Tim? Uh, it's it's a mis it's a mixed bag. Uh, believe it or not, with my ugly rotation in labor, I'm I'm still up near the top. I'm gonna fall back into the mid-pack until I get Rue and Clevenger back. But uh, I, I feel very optimistic about labor. Tout, uh, my offense is off to a slow start, but the pitching's solid. Um, overall, my dynasty leagues, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, uh, the two that I'm in in CBS, uh, DL2 and DL5, uh, be making a run there this year. Uh, accomplishing Rotomasters, I'm doing something that I haven't done in years, and I'm actually having some fun with it. Uh, uh, Dylan White and myself are uh, in a rebuilding mode, and we're playing the game from a reverse per- per- perspective, and we're playing for 15th, and we're playing darn hard for it, so we're having okay. some fun with that one. We want the number one pick to go with our three other first-round picks next year, and uh, it's, 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 it's a fun year. Uh, like I said, some good, some bad, but overall, I, I'm very happy with the results so far. Nice. Yeah, I know it's early. I just wanted to ask. So. Yeah, I, you know, I uh, like the two industry leagues, uh, you know, I lost Stanton in one. I lost Olsen in another. So at some point in time, we get some of these players back and hopefully uh, uh, some of my offseason scouting pays off. Yeah, okay. you'll, you'll, you'll survive on the wire. I know you. Uh, I, I find I, f- I find the odd gem in there, guys. Uh, <laughs> the odd one. Here's a name I'm going to throw out for you, okay? Just just because he's going to be in my waiver article uh, this week. But Evan Phillips in Baltimore. Take a take a look. I think I think he's worth a look. Hmm. I don't even know who that is. So in hearing this now, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I hope everybody knows that we won't be posting this until Monday morning. and i appreciate that from the bottom of my heart knowing that i just bumped his value up by 20 bucks in every league i play (laughs) evan we'll have to look into that okay so tim this is the spot here where i give you a moment what what would you like to plug that you're put doing on prospect 361 this week uh, probably hair. I've been bald for years. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> the site. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can you can find me at uh, uh, Prospect Three Sixty One, where I do my weekly waiver wire every Sunday night with Rich Wilson on the P Three Sixty One podcast. Uh, we're heading into Show Five Hundred One. We've got five hundred under our belt now. It's it's been a great ride, a lot of fun. And when I'm not hanging out at either of those two spots, uh, I spend some time at Patton and Company with Alex Patton and Peter Kreitzer and the gang there. And, of course, it would be very rude of me not to mention the site that you guys run so well, which would be uh, Baseball 365. Uh, It's a great site, and uh, any questions, uh, feel free to uh, IM me or list them on the page. I, I enjoy spending my time, uh, or as much time as I can, trying to give back a little bit to the game, and your Facebook page provides that opportunity, guys. Well, we're glad you're a part of it, and we appreciate you. And if you'd like to follow Tim on Twitter, well, good luck. 
I just now realized I'm not following. I don't think the Baseball 365 podcast is following you. So while you were talking, I just now searched. I tried searching Tim McLeod to see. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to have to do some digging probably through Rich's page before I find you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I took a break for about a year from Twitter. I, I just found it was, I don't know, too much like the Wild Wild West. I, I, I'm an old guy. So, you know, with, with my technology skills, Facebook sort of worked a little better than Twitter. But I am back on and you can find me at uh, Run TMC with a whole bunch of numbers after it that I don't know why they're there, but they are. Okay, guys? <laughs> Tim, I, oh. Tim, I, I just want to say, Tim, you're the best. I I swear, like, the stuff that you've done for this industry and the stuff that you do for the group and the accessibility that you provide, All I mean, you're always there for everybody. Anytime anybody has any questions, you're there. You don't have to do any of that, and you do it, and it absolutely blows my mind. I, I don't take it for granted at all, so thank you. We all appreciate it and love you. Well, thanks a bunch. I really appreciate that, uh, guys. And hey, you know, it's uh, you got to give back a little bit. That's 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 part of the game, as far as I'm concerned. And I've over the years, I've been very fortunate, and I've had a lot of people in this industry give their time to me. So I, I honestly believe that uh, I would be very remiss if I didn't do the same. And again, I want to thank uh, I want to thank both of you for having me on this evening. It's been a real pleasure. And hey. All the best, uh, all the best to you in your league play this year. Uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, some great stories to be told come, oh, about the beginning of October. That's the hope. Yeah, that's the hope. Andrew, do you have any final words before we get out of here? Nope. Been a, been a fun show, and um, we'll be back on here soon. I'm sure we'll have Tim on again at some point. So. Oh, yes. But I, on a good note, I just found you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> searching down rich wilson's page about a couple probably 20 30 tweets down i finally found you run tmc five nine zero zero six four seven three i made it i just picked run tmc and it gave me all the numbers after i, I guess probably somebody's used that before i'm assuming eh? <laughs> i i think you should go i think you said this or i heard this somewhere that you should just try it run tmc eight six five seven three oh nine and see if that's there i bet it's available <laughs> Odds are pretty good, but uh, I, I am concerned that Jenny might have it, uh, guys. And I can't steal. Can't steal from Jenny. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Do you do you use it? Do you use it much, Tim? The, uh, the Twitter. Uh, I I have some people that are asking me questions. I respond. I retweet some things. But as far as a uh, my preferred choice on social media is Facebook, and yeah. it's your Facebook page. So I don't post a lot but uh it allows me access to to people that don't use facebook and have some questions so uh like i said if your best bet to get a hold of me or, or to find my work is through the facebook page guys and prospect 361 whoo i'm just looking down your twitter and you've tweeted more than i thought but man i just went all the way back to march 14th and saw that jace fry filthy curveball where the guy looked like he was about to get hit and dope and then it went right over the plate and struck him out. That was for nasty. what for what for whatever reason I just cannot get into Twitter. I can't like I use Twitter to follow people and to get <laughs> news and stuff like that. Right. But I don't tweet. I don't tweet back at people. I just 
I don't know why it's just not like the format of it or something. It just throws me off. I, I just don't really think I like it. I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. Th- yeah. That, it's, that was one of my problems as well. I just found it very awkward to work with and I, I'm using it uh, for news updates and, you know, for, for some of the different uh, leagues I'm in, it's a, it's a good way to get a hold of people that way. But uh, again, it's, it's an awkward forum for me and, uh, Facebook does the job, so until it doesn't, uh, Twitter will always be uh, in the back seat for me. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't used it either much the last few years until this podcast started. And I'm trying to make an effort to use it more. So far, early in the year, but it's definitely not my number one way of going either. So we're all on the same boat there. We like the Facebook groups. Well, uh, yeah, and. I will tell you that uh, when I when now that we're friends, okay, uh, on Twitter, I will retweet we retweet the podcast for you guys. How's that? Hey, awesome. we appreciate that. Appreciate it. Okay, well, in that case, we're going to get out of here. We'll try to talk to you guys soon, and take care, everybody. Be take well, care, my friends. Guys. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.